My name is Marvin Owiti. I'm born again and I love the Lord. I'm still married to one wife, uh, Joyce, and we're blessed with two children and we bless the Lord uh, this morning. So today we basically are continuing walking through the, the book of Acts. Today's scripture, we're going to focus on Acts chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, from uh, verses 1 up to 35. So we are not going to read all, all the three chapters here today, but I want to believe that we spent time, and I still encourage all of us to spend time and read those three chapters even after uh, this, so that we just continue searching uh, the scripture. And so before uh, continue, it's important just to recap. And I think uh, this first missionary journey, one of the key characters is, is Paul. And we talked uh, in the book of Acts chapter 9, some, some uh, Sundays back, on how Paul encountered Christ. And we saw the transformation that happened when he encountered Christ. So we saw a different uh, person before that with all his uh, persecution against uh, the people of God and how then after that he met Christ on his way to uh, Damascus and he was transformed. He became a new being and he started um, ministering for God. And so Acts chapter 13 is a continuation of Paul's ministry. How God then begins to use him uh, uh, throughout and we'll be looking at this in the next few Sundays, we'll, we'll have a closer look into Paul's ministry. And I want to invite you to really take time to read these parts of the scripture because they're really specific things that God would want us to, to be aware of. And they're lessons that we'll be able to learn from, from this. So the, ob the objective of today is basically to begin unpacking the journey that uh, Paul um, started off. We'll, we'll see how he started off, we'll see the circumstances around Paul's journey. That means we look at the places that Paul went to, the people that were involved in that journey, and we begin to see the patterns and events that were happening during that journey. And so, at the end of this, we'll also begin to we look at the lessons that we can learn from the Paul's journey and how we can apply them now. How relevant they are. And so, uh, I don't know whether the, uh, the project team, uh, the media team can project that. Our lesson is going to be pegged around this map. And so, I'll invite us that in the next uh, few Sundays, we'll be taking a tour on using this map as a point of reference. A lot of things happened around this area, and we'll begin to see how relevant that is to us. So it basically will be showing the places that Paul journeyed and how he journeyed across those places. So it, this was just a way to help us picture how that journey took place. So just to begin with, Paul's first missionary journey took about two years. Took about two years. And the target audience were the Gentiles and the Jews. The key people in this first missionary journey are Paul himself and Barnabas. You remember when Paul uh, 
encountered Christ, one of the people that introduced him to the other disciples was Barnabas. So we see Paul and Barnabas still working together in, in the ministry of the Word of God. We'll be looking at some key places, there are about nine of them, as we'll see on, on, on the map. So that, that map will be there for quite some time. And this journey begins from Antioch on the extreme left, as you can see, and it will also end at Antioch. Something to be aware of that there are, there are two, there's a distinction between the two Antiochs. There's the Antioch on the extreme left, um, that's in Syria, and then the Antioch on the upper part, that's uh, the Pisidian Antioch. So that's the difference between the two. And so we'll see how Paul moved from one point to the other. So before Paul started his missionary journey, there was an objective. And the objective was to spread the good news. The objective was to spread the good news. What was the good news? The good news was Paul was preaching the fact that the forgiveness of sins and um, sins and guilt were available, was available through faith in Christ to all people, whether they were Gentiles or the Jews. And the end result was to make disciples. The end result was to make disciples. But then what was, as you'll see, what was the problem? What was being addressed was that many Jews did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And they did not understand that God was offering salvation to anyone, uh, Jew or Gentile. So they didn't reconcile with that fact. And so that was one of the problems that Paul encountered as he embarked on his journey. And so you'd see that the, the Jews became jealous and uh, hostile to, to Paul. So we'll, we'll begin by the, the, the first place. So Paul begins his journey at Antioch. And so they're in, they're in this place together with uh, other prophets and teachers. That's referenced in the book of Acts chapter 13. Verse 1 to 3. And so they are worshipping. Uh, Paul, I mean the prophets, teachers, Paul and Barnabas, were worshipping the Lord and fasting. So they were in church at Antioch, worshipping the Lord and, and fasting. And then something happened in that process. The Holy Spirit spoke. And the Holy Spirit then set apart Paul and Barnabas for a mission. So, so you realize that God, through the Holy Spirit, sets Paul apart. They are sent for a mission. And that is captured in Acts 13, 1, uh, 3. And so when you go back to, to the map, so... 
Paul and Barnabas would move to a place called, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Seleucia. And that's on Acts chapter 13, verse 4. And this is the place where they board the ship to sail through to the island. And that island is called Cyprus. And when they get to, 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 to Cyprus, of course, uh, in this process, in this journey, they are joined by John Mark, who is, is the helper. At Cyprus, there were two cities. So one was the Salamis, uh, and the other was Paphos. So when, when they got to, um, sorry, is it Salamis or Salamis? When they got to the first uh, city, they proclaimed the word of God at uh, Salamis in the Jewish synagogues helped by, by John. And after that, they then traveled to Paphos. This area was, the Cyprus area was largely occupied, was predominantly Jew. And in, in fact, this is Barnabas' uh, home area. And you notice that, uh, you know, remember Paul was also a Jew. So it's take, they're, being, they're going through a place that they're familiar with. They've been in that. Uh, Paul knows the Jewish experience and beliefs and is going back to minister to them. And so when they travel to Paphos, something interesting happens. Uh, at Paphos, there was a proconsul, uh, and it was called uh, Sergius Paulus. So if you're looking for names, quite some names here. <laughs> so there was a governor. The proconsul, you also call it a governor, so just to bring it home. So he's at the at Paphos, and, and he hears that Paul and Barnabas are preaching the word of, of, of the Lord. And he sends for them. He sends for them that he also want to hear this word. But in that process, they meet some, some guy called uh, Elimas. So Elimas was a, a Jewish sorcerer. Uh, he was a false prophet. In fact, he was called Bar-Jesus. B-A-R hyphen then Jesus. And he is sort of opposed, was sort of becoming a barrier between the Paul and Barnabas and the governor hearing the word. So he was opposed to, to that process. And in that moment, Paul being filled by the Holy Spirit admonishes Elimas because Elimas was interfering with the spread of the gospel. Now does this ring a bell when it comes to missionary? This reminds me of a time a uh, couple of years ago, when we went to, we were doing a, a ministries back in Sierra County. It was a, it was a home to home missionary work, and I still remember we got to a home and there was a grandmother who asked who we are, said we were from church and all that, and literally did not want to hear what he wanted to say to the to the family. She was literally the barrier. So the family was, was around, but she, just from the gate, she saw us 
and wanted to send us uh, away. But one of the children intervened and told them, okay, we'll only give you guys five minutes. Say what you want to say and disappear. Now this, it is possible that when you're going out on the mission field, you'll, you'll get uh, barriers. And, and, and we'll be learning this. We'll see a lot of this uh, happening even in this journey. And so Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, admonished uh, the sorcerer, Elimas, and um, he became blind. And when the governor saw that, he believed. Paul and Barnabas then left um, to a place called Paja. We just go back to the, the map. So that's referenced in Acts 13. 13. So they moved, they moved up. Remember, this journey is taking two years. So they moved up to a place called Paja. And at this point, something happens. Uh, John Mark decides to return to Jerusalem. And you'll see in, in the next journeys how his departure impacted the engagement between Paul and, uh, and Barnabas. So for, for whatever reason, uh, maybe so that this was not this is hard. What people say, earth is hard. And he decided to go back to, to Jerusalem. They then proceed to Pisidian uh, Antioch, uh, and that's in Acts chapter 13, verse 14 to 52. And a couple of things um, uh, happen here. Paul preached the message of Jesus Christ. He, he proclaimed the, the word uh, of God. And they, begin, they began to, to, to draw very huge uh, uh, crowds. And some of the Jew uh, converts to um, converts followed Paul and, and Barnabas. The, the Jews were filled with jealousy and they talked about against what Paul was, was saying. But Paul and Barnabas were not deterred. They continued speaking boldly to the Jews, saying that they had to speak the word of God to the Jew uh, first. But in the process also they turned to the Gentiles because as they were speaking to the Jews, the Jews rejected that word. Paul and Barnabas turned to the, the Gentiles. Remember this journey was commissioned by the Holy Spirit and they were given specific instructions and guidance on what to do while out there. The Gentiles became receptive. They were honored that, wow, this word can also be preached to us. And they received this word and they believed. So after this, the word of God spread out through the whole region. So that region begins to be impacted by that good news, the word of the Lord. And what makes it good news? It appeared like initially that word was sort of reserved. It was the Jews had certain very tight laws, and for you to to, uh, to receive salvation, there are certain things you had to, to do. 
But the Gentiles were cornered by the fact that this, the word of God was free. Freely available to anyone who wanted to believe. That was good news. That was good news. This helps, uh, if you paint a picture where um, if you've traveled uh, either through by air or uh, through SGR, you always see that there is a business class, there is a first um, class. And sometimes I see people when they're upgraded from economy class on the, air, on the aeroplane and they check into the business class, you can see uh, the excitement that I've been upgraded, I've been given a chance to sit in the business class. Now the, the Gentiles were given a chance, quote-unquote, to sit in the business class. It was now free. There was no uh, economy, business, first class. Now the gospel was available to all that would listen and be receptive of the word. So it was good news. And so, so, so this, the Jews were, of course, jealous. They started persecution against uh, Paul and Barnabas and were then, were then expelled from that region. They then proceed to a place called uh, I Iconium. And that's referenced in Acts chapter 14, verse 1 to 7. The key people here are still Paul, Barnabas, and they're speaking to, they're interacting with the Jews and the, the, the Gentiles. And so Paul and Barnabas uh, preached effectively, and a great number of Jews uh, uh, and, and Gentiles believed at that place. Other Jews who refused to believe uh, stirred up the Gentiles again, poisoned their minds. Friends, there are times when you've just out. You've preached the word of God and uh, brethren are beginning to accept the word of God, but the environment, there are people that will still want to poison them. And sometimes this reminds, um, reminds me of the story of Adam and Eve when uh, the devil tempts and, and they say, did Jesus, did God really, really say? Really, really. And there are those moments when you've preached the word interact with other people in the environment and try to poison them and sway them away. So this was what was, was happening here as well. And so Paul and Barnabas, having realized that, they decided to spend more time. So they said, okay, we are not leaving because we see the environment. These people are being poisoned. Uh, and so they spent more time speaking boldly, maybe to correct Perceptions and what the Jews was, what was what some of those Jews was trying to speak. And God, if you read through that bit of the scripture, God confirmed their message through miracles and wonders. And so this process led the people of that city, the Iconium city, to be divided. And in that process, Paul discovered that there was a, a plot to mistreat them. And then they fled to a place called Lystra. And let me use the word, let me call it Dab. E E 
RBE. But you can see that on the map. So they, they moved to, to Lystra. And that's in Acts chapter 14, verse 18 to 19. Interesting things happen in this particular place. Paul, they meet a crippled man uh, who was crippled right from, from birth. Paul speaks healing to this crippled man. And out of that process, these people assumed that, wow, our gods, in small g, our gods are visiting them. And they, 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 they seem to have come back in the, in the human form. So, so, so these people believed in, in, in certain gods, and one of those gods was called Zeus and Hermes. And so when they saw that Paul and Barnabas healed a crippled man, they were like, wow, wale mungu wameshuka in human form. And in fact, they called, uh, Barnabas was, was called Zeus, and then Paul was called Hermes. And they even wanted to offer sacrifices to Paul, Barnabas. But when Paul and Barnabas heard this, they, they, they tore their clothes. If you remember the, uh, the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, there were moments when they were mourning and, and doing all that. When they, when they were mourning, they used to tear their clothes. And this signified horror. It also signified mourning. And, and so, when this happened, they were horrified by the fact that these people were offering sacrifices to them, confusing them to be their gods. But Paul reminded them that they were only human like them, that their message was to turn them away from those, the worthless things, turn them away from the worthless things and look towards the living God. But the crowd still wanted to sacrifice. Uh, to them. You can be in a scenario where you've preached the word of God, you've ministered, you've gone out the field, and sometimes people want to praise you, to elevate you, give you the glory, and with the assumption that, um, that these are like our gods. But you can see Paul and Barnabas pointing them to the right direction. And in all this process, there were some Jews in Antioch and Iconium. Look at that. They are following them. They, were in, they had moved from Iconium and Antioch and they are now following them. And some of these Jews won over the crowd against Paul. And then Paul is stoned. Imagine one of water. And they dragged Paul outside that city imagining that he was dead. Uh, then the disciples gather around Paul and I'm, ass I'm assuming that they were giving him attention and praying with him. And Paul did an amazing thing. that uh, He got up and went back to that city where he was stoned, close to death. He went back. Look at the boldness of Paul. Then the next day they moved to Dab and ministered there. So in Dab, it's Acts chapter 14, verse 20. So Paul and Paul continues to 
they don't give up. They continue and they won over a large number of disciples. So throughout this missionary journey, there are certain keywords that will be consistent. One of them is the word disciples. Making of disciples. And we'll, we'll speak to that in a, in a few minutes. Take note, in Acts chapter 21, Acts 14, 21, 22, Paul and Barnabas returned. Now they return, if you go back to the map, they return to Lystra, they return to Iconium and Antioch with a simple objective to strengthen and encourage the disciples to keep the faith. If this was me or someone else, I would, would have. The cities where you've been persecuted, they still have the boldness to go back and to continue strengthening them. Guys, don't give up. And there's a reason why I'm just trying to underscore this, and we'll, we'll see how this applies to us. So the key events here that happened that they strengthened and encouraged the disciples to keep the faith. And you'll see that in Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in each church. And they appointed those elders after praying and fasting. They then sailed back to Antioch and they got to a point called uh, uh, Atalia a point called Atalia. So now they went back to the original place where they started the journey in Antioch. And what do they do when they get back? They gave a report of what had happened. They stayed there for some time with the disciples. So they got back from Antioch where they started and they do something, give a report. So while they are relaxing after a long missionary journey, something came up. A dispute arose when some Jewish believers thought that the Gentile believers had to be circumcised to be saved. And, and this was according to the customs taught uh, uh, by Moses. And, and Paul and Barnabas disputed this idea. So, you just come in and you've, you've relaxed and um, something came up. And so, Paul and Barnabas now move down. I don't think it shows there. Move down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem would be, yes. They move down to Jerusalem to discuss the situation. So, they are sent. Go and address this issue. And Paul addressed, I mean, Peter addressed that group and he declared that it was through the grace of God, through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that they were saved, just as they were. And then Paul and Barnabas also spoke about what God had done among Gentiles. And then James affirms or confirms what Peter said. He said that the Gentiles should not be judged. They reached an agreement and a letter was written to the Gentile believers and you can see a copy of that letter. And it was written to the believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. And Judas and Silas are selected to then accompany Paul and Barnabas back 
to Antioch, where that came from. And the main goal was to deliver the message and letter. And let's just read that uh, bit. So what message were they delivering back to Antioch? And so it says to the Gentiles, that's in verse 24 of chapter 15, from verse 24. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have raised their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The reason why that letter was written was to correct that misconception. Now, that marks the end of the first missionary journey. But it doesn't, the journey doesn't end there. And so, we'll, if in the book of Acts, from verse, uh, Acts 15, verse 36, then the missionary journey continues. And, and so we'll be covering that bit in the next and seeing what God was doing. But I want us to point us to a few things as we come to a close. How do we apply uh, this? There are few, uh, a couple of things that stand out. One, Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the Holy Spirit from the church in Antioch. So, key lesson there that before we set out on a mission journey, be it to our environments, environs here, it's important to spend time praying and fasting and seeking the Lord for that, for any journey that you want to undertake. The gospel was preached despite the challenges. And the mission field has a lot of challenges. Remember, these are sometimes territories. And you're basically, when you're coming with the good news, you are disrupting that process of what people may have believed in. And so you'll meet resistance, just as Paul met resistance. You can get through persecution. You can get through people who want to avoid the word of God spreading. Remember Elimas? He didn't, he was avoiding, he wanted to deter the governor from hearing the word of God. Something happens in this journey. They made disciples. They made disciples. Sometimes it's just good to understand who then is a disciple. It's very easy for, for 
has to be removed from that word. Imagining that the disciple is someone far up there. And maybe I'm not close to that. So let's look at the definition of the disciple. A disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, such as Christianity. A disciple is, designed, is defined by certain characteristics. Let's look closely at Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Christ says, follow me, speaking to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now let's just break that word. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So that we just understand who a disciple is. And then who was Paul and Barnabas? What were they doing when they were making disciples? During that journey. Now, follow me. So it means that a true disciple, just look at those first two words, a true disciple follows and is devoted to Jesus Christ. That is characteristic number one. Number two, I will make you. And so this means that Jesus promises that if you follow him, you will change. And this is alluded to in Romans 8.29. So be to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So I will make you. What this means is that a disciple of Christ is becoming more, is to become more like his teacher, becoming more like Christ. So number one, you are following Christ and you are becoming more like him. Thirdly, fishers of men. A true disciple of Christ is committed to the mission of Christ. And so, do we qualify? Are we disciples of Jesus Christ? If we follow Jesus Christ, we've given our lives to Christ, we are born again, and each and every day we are working towards becoming more like him. He is calling us to be committed to the mission of Christ. And the next few Sundays is going to be focusing on this. When Christ calls us and we give our lives to Christ, there is an assignment after that. There is a reason why God has allowed Nairobi Chapel Langata to exist where it is today. There is a reason. May I submit to us that we are on an assignment. Are we children of God? Yes. We are on an assignment. And the mission is very clear. We are called in Matthew chapter 18, sorry, Matthew 28, from verse 18 to 20. Very clear mission. And we are called to make disciples. It doesn't stop at giving our lives to Christ. We are called to make disciples. Look at what Paul does in Barnabas after making the disciples. You know they made disciples? They strengthened the disciples. Remember Adab, they went back to 
Lystra, Iconium. What did they go to do? To strengthen them. And how did they strengthen them? They told them the truth and prepared them for trials. So it is important that as we come to the kingdom of God, it is important that we continue strengthening one another. And so that's why we constantly come here to worship the Lord, encourage one another, to strengthen us for the work, to strengthen us for the mission. We are called by the grace of God, we minister, be partakers of that mission. Remember, they also prayerfully appointed leaders. Those leaders are important in the church to manage the community of faith. They gave a missionary report. When God sends us out, there's usually feedback, a missionary report. And that's referenced in Acts 14, 26-27. And when they're giving that missionary report, not something that they do. They told God's story. They said all that God had done. They did not give the glory to themselves. They didn't, they didn't say we went there, we really mastered the art, we preached it. Uh, we preached it and, and, and if, if it were not for Nani who preached, uh, we gave the glory to God. I'm not sure if you managed to get that uh, image of the now. We, we looked we looked at Paul and Barnabas' track. We have been given a track that is customized to us in the modern age. This applies to us. The T track, our, our the mission of Nairobi Chapel Langata is to grow deep and eat wide. Our core mandate is to spread the gospel. That was Paul and Barnabas. The lessons that we can learn from there. And one of the things that Nairobi Chapel intends to uh, look forward to doing is planting 300 uh, churches and, and over, meet, meet, uh, reaching out to a million. The harvest is plenty. But the laborers, if we are the disciples of Jesus Christ, is challenging us this morning to begin creating our trap. And there's a place for you in that trap. I'll invite you to, to look at it. It's called a transformational trap where people are actually being transformed. And there's a journey from joining Narubi Chapel Langata, getting into plug-in, you are being empowered, and at some point you, you get out and uh, get in those frontline engagements. That's the exit. At your workplace, in politics, those are mission fields. Those are our Iconium Lystra. Maybe that those are our places God is calling us to minister. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. We are called. There's no other thing God is interested in in people turning to him. And you and I have a role to play. And so I'll invite us that as we continue looking at the rest of the two journeys, begin to reflect, and as you read this part, what role 
and I pray now to fulfill the vision, being a true disciple and looking at the characteristics of a disciple. But I'll be, I will follow Jesus and two, I will constantly allow him to transform me to be more like him. And as he does that, I will fulfill his mission, reaching out to people. There's a reason why we are here. And you'd see that Paul planted so many churches, and the scripture that we read today was written in some of those places. So may God help us and continue to search our heart. What is your role in our customized track. May God bless us through his word.